enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of the Cape Elizabeth Church of the Nazarene in Cape Elizabeth, Maine. Download more sermons or learn about the Cape Elizabeth Church of the Nazarene at our website, capenazarene.org. Here's this week's message. I'll share with you from uh, Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verse 28 to 40. After he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethphage and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Well, go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Just say this, The Lord needs it. So those who, are, who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. And as he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that had been seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. This is, uh, this is a, a beautiful story that we read every single year right around this time. And before I do, I want to uh, tell you an, another story. Now, the, th- the funny thing about stories with sermons is you know, if I tell you a story at the beginning of a sermon, you know that that story has something to do with the sermon itself. That chances are I'm coming back to it, that I'm relating it in some way. And that's the nature of stories, right? It is, it's sometimes we tell a story to someone just because, I don't know, this was on our mind, we're, out, we're, we're having lunch together, someone just wants to tell a story. Maybe it's funny, maybe it, uh, you just know that uh, they'll relate to it. But most of the time when we tell stories, even if it's just, you know, gathered together here, uh, you know, after the service, every time I come down, I'm always hearing stories from people. And most of the time it's related to something I set up here. Uh, But that's the nature of stories. It's, It's almost always related to the context. It doesn't matter whether we're having lunch or whether it was like when we were gathered together yesterday, cleaning up. It doesn't matter what it is. When we start telling stories, it's almost always related to something. Uh, in, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus tells a lot of stories. We call them parables. They're stories with a message about who Jesus is or who God is or what the kingdom of heaven is like. And he tells a lot of stories in the Gospels, uh, not only in Luke, but in the others as, as well. So you know when those stories were recorded, they had to decide, well, how are we going to tell some of the stories Jesus told? They could have just, you know, like the book of Proverbs, just made a list of all of his stories or something like that. But stories have context. And even in the Gospel of Luke, the stories he tell, I think, sometimes illuminate for us a lot of what is happening around it. In fact, uh, this passage begins, after he had said this, there's a story 
a parable Jesus had told. A parable that we're probably familiar with, but a parable that helps, I think, us understand this triumphal entry, this uh, uh, going towards Jerusalem from Bethphage and Bethany when they're laying down their cloaks and they're laying down their palm branches. He tells a story, and I'm not going to read it, I'll just kind of paraphrase it, share it with you. There's a man, he says, who's getting ready to become king or getting ready to become, you know, he, he, he's getting ready to receive his political influence. And he says, I'm going to go and get things set up for me to become king, for me to become the political leader. And so while I'm away, he says, I'm going to give you some money to put to work for me. And so he gives to one $10,000, he gives to another $5,000, and he gives to another $1,000. Like I said, this is in my own way, they didn't have dollars back then. But uh, he says, hey, this is what I'm going to do. And the person with 10000 says, okay, and he, and he puts it to work. And, you know, he's, you know he, he starts you know, buying and selling, and, and, and he makes 10000 more. And the person with 5000 does does the same thing. He, he hires some people and hires them out, and, and, and he gets work done, and he brings in $5,000 more. And the person with 1000 says, oh, man, I, I don't know what I can do with this. I don't know what I'm going to do with this. And I do know if my investment's bad, I'm going to lose it. And if he comes back as a king or as, as a person with all this influence, the last thing I want to do is make him upset or show that I'm a failure. And so he locks it away in a safe and says, aha, no one can take it, no one can steal it. I'm just going to give it back to him. And the, and the person comes back. Having indeed come, he comes back as king and he says, I want to see while I was securing that how the money I put to work has come back. And he sees, and he sees the yield of the first one with the 10,000. He sees the yield of the second one with the 5,000 and is very impressed. He sees the yield of the third one who just gives him back the money that he had entrusted. What he could have just done on his own, just held on to it. And yet, uh, and he says, he says, this is unacceptable. This is not why you were given these resources. Let me give it to the person uh, who, who made good work of it. You, this, th- this is not at all what I was looking for. And then he says that he is going to come as king. And the, and, the, and the story ends with him saying, and all those who do not accept this will be tossed aside. And so there's this story, this parable, where we recognize that sometimes, in some translation, it becomes the parable of the talents. And we've, we've made that reference to the talents God has given us. Or we've recognized that God often puts us in spots where we are able to, to share or to give of what God has done, to, to, to act boldly with what God has given us, and to see how God might bless that. And that to bury it away or to hide away what God has given us is a waste of what God has called from us. And yet He has called us that with whatever He's entrusted to come and to, uh, and to work for our coming King. That is the story that precedes the story of uh, today, Palm Sunday, of uh, Jesus getting ready to ride into Jerusalem. And so in this story, we, I just want to keep that parable in mind. In this story, we find that Jesus is getting ready to go. And he tells his disciples, hey, there is, there's a colt in this one location. I want you to go and get it. How does Jesus know or, 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 or what's happening here? I've had some people wonder, you know, maybe it was prearranged and he had a colt ready to go. And like, you know, the, the word that the right person came to pick it up is the Lord needs it. Like maybe. 
or, uh, or there's something else happening here as well. He asks, but he tells the disciples, hey, I know where there's a colt. Bring it. Come forward. And, uh, and when they ask, and they're going to ask who you are, what, what's this for, just tell them the Lord needs it. And what I find in this story is, in relationship to the story that just came before it is, the owners of the colt are, are in a position where they have been graced and gifted with something, whether it was that they were able to purchase it or whether it was that their own horses were able to give birth to it, uh, whatever it is, they have been gifted with this colt. And when the Lord says, I need this, they are willing to give up and put to work that which God has given them so that the Lord can use it. And so I think that the cult in this story becomes a very real example for them of what the parable is about, that what we have is used in service to our Lord. And so when they say the Lord needs it, they let him have this cult. And the owner of the cult is someone who has been entrusted, someone who can who is who's able to say, okay, I want the Lord to be able to use whatever it is I have that he might need for that. The king is on his way into Jerusalem. Jerusalem, uh, the place where indeed David had reigned, the place where they had hoped a Messiah would come and indeed set up God's kingdom again and free them from the reign of the Romans who were kind of uh, living in their territory and had taken them over. And so Jesus is getting ready to go, and they are excited. And they're laying their cloaks over the colt. It's like a makeshift saddle, if you will. They're putting that down. They're laying out their cloaks on the path. They are heralding him as that king. He had spent his entire ministry going around the countryside, as if, according to the parable, getting ready to be called the king. He had been showing his miracles. He had indeed been showing how God had been working in their life. And finally, they are ready to receive him. They've been uh, laying out their cloaks. And this, this, it's a weird image to think of laying out cloaks for people to be on. I mean, like my only image I've had of that is like really old movies or cartoons, right? Where like they would put their cloak over a puddle so the woman could go over without getting splashed or someone could ride over it without getting splashed upon or getting mud up on their clothes. But it would indeed present and give that that, uh, protection, if you will. That Jesus walk, uh, walking on the, uh, the Roman-created road, uh, the cobblestone there, whatever dirt, whatever dust, or if it's wet, whatever mud, would indeed not be kicked up upon him. But Jesus isn't coming like a normal king. He, he, do, he doesn't have the royal robe. He doesn't have the, the fancy clothes that he has to worry about whether or not dust gets kicked up on it. He's coming in his everyday travel gear, but yet... They see him and treat him as a king. And this is a part of our challenge as well. As we go through this Easter week, what, is it, what will it be that we will see when we look at Jesus? Will it be more than just the historical figure who died? Will we be able to see indeed and testify next week that the one who had walked with us, the one who had died, is indeed the Lord our God in the flesh. And so um, they're dropping their cloaks down, and they're not guaranteed to get them back, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, they could pick them up afterwards and wash them and get the mud off and all that kind of stuff. But I think there's someone who's really unlucky, 
who's not going to get their cloak back. Let me illustrate this just a little bit. Jen uh, had showed me a, a video uh, earlier this week. Uh, every now and again, she'll share like a, a funny video or something that she saw online or, or something cute or whatever. And there's one she had shown me about uh, a mother who was going to pick up her child from school. And she's going to go pick up her child from school. And we all do that. We've all picked up our children from school. But not quite like this lady did. You see, she got in the queue uh, behind all the other cars, but she was not in a car. She wasn't on a bike. She was on a horse. And behind her with reins was a second horse. And so she got in queue with, the, with these cars to pick up her child, and the child went and got on the other horse, and all the children were like, whoa, you get to ride a horse home. And they were amazed, and it was wonderful. Uh, like, I remember when uh, uh, we were living in South Portland, I would walk sometimes to help uh, pick up Alex from elementary school. We didn't have a horse, but we had our dog, our little puppy dog, and I'd bring her with too as well. And uh, other people started bringing their dog to the school as well to pick up their children. And after a while, the school had to put out a, a note that stop bringing your dogs to pick up the kids because what they realize is when everyone's bringing their dogs to pick up the kids, not everyone's cleaning up after the dogs. <laughs> and, so, and so I said to Jen, I said to Jen as I'm watching this video, I'm like, those horses don't have poop bags. They're not going to be able to keep doing that forever. <laughs> and then I started thinking, and now I'm thinking that while I'm looking at this sermon, I'm going, oh, no. Someone's not going to want to pick up their cloak. <laughs> Someone's losing the cloak lottery. And so, and so I, I found myself thinking about that. As gross as it is, I found myself thinking about this. Is There is no guarantee in what we lay down before the Lord that it's going to yield the results that we had intended. There's no guarantee that we get what we thought we might have gotten out of that. And so let's think about some of the things that we might do or, uh, out of sacrifice or out of giving to the Lord. And so uh, when I think of evangelism, when I think of sharing our personal story with those around us, when I think of inviting someone else to church or think about uh, sharing our faith with someone else, we don't know how people will always respond. It may not always yield the result we had intended, but yet... We are still called where God gives us opportunity to share what He has done in our life and to lay that before Him. That the, that the experiences and the graces and the gifts God has given us are not to be hoarded and buried, right? But to be laid out before God and put to work for Him to see what happens. Sometimes we make sacrifices and we, and we give or we do something. Say, okay, God, I'm going to give this or I'm going to do this. And, and we, we hope that it yields the return that we, uh, we would expect. But it doesn't always. I, I asked Alex for permission to share this story this morning. So I'm going to share this. So uh, last week, um, Alex surprised us. We were getting ready for church. And, uh, and he said, hey, Mom, Dad, I want to I give some of my own money to church next week. And we said, okay, that's fine. You can do that. And, uh, and which is interesting, like, because, you know, he doesn't have an allowance. He doesn't have uh, a job. So he doesn't have a regular source of income where we can teach tithing. All he gets is what he sees here uh, when, when we give. And so, uh, and, and so uh, but this day he said, without any kind of pushing, he said, hey, I'd like to give. And I thought, okay. And I thought, okay, he's going to grab a couple bucks and he's going to do that. No, he got his whole collection in a bag <laughs> with all the coins and stuff and to, to give. And I thought, oh, the counters are going to love this. And so, so, he, so he got all this together and, and he gave uh, last, last week in church. And, and then afterwards, he's um, uh, talking with uh, Jen downstairs and, and he's wondering, you know, oh, no, I just, 
just gave everything. <laughs> and he's, he's wondering about that. And, um, and something, something happened after, after he's, he's talking about how he felt about, you know, having done that. Someone in the church, uh, I'm not going to tell you who, who it is, um, but their initials are. <laughs> uh, uh, someone in the church went up to Alex and said, uh, and said hey, I wanted to give this to you, and gave, gave him a $20 bill. And um, it was more than he had given. And, um, and Alex was like, wait, what? And it was just, it was just a gift. And, and, uh, and Alex's eyes got really big. And he's like, I can't, I can't believe this. I wasn't expecting this. And, and like, especially I'd never done that before either. And, um, and, and so Jen is able to have a conversation with him about how sometimes in life, when we give, God multiplies the gift. And that's a story that's told in Scripture. And this, of course, doesn't always happen because when we give, we're not giving just looking at what we can get in return because like, the financial return doesn't always happen that way. Oftentimes, we've got to tell them, is sometimes there are other intangible returns, that blessings in which we are experiencing or we get to be a part of because we've given. And so this became a teaching moment for that. But those sacrifices we give don't always have those moments. Sometimes we just give or we sacrifice time or we do something and say, okay, did this yield what I wanted it to yield? I hope so. I don't know. Discipleship. We disciple one another, whether it's, whether it's Sunday school class or, or it's at home with your family. And, but it doesn't always yield what you hope, right? Children don't always grow up with the faith that you had molded and shaped uh, in their life. But in those moments when it seems like, you know, we've laid things down before the Lord and, you know, we lost the cloak lottery. In those moments, uh, the question should never be, well, would I do that again? Of course. It's not, oh no, should I hide? Should I keep what God has given? To do that is to become that unfaithful servant who hides the talents. Always willing to lay down before the Lord so that He can work and do and give opportunity for what the Lord wants to do in our life. We're nearing the end of the, uh, of the Lenten fast. Last week, Howard was joking with me about uh, on Easter, we're going to have to go out for drinks afterwards because both of us... Uh, Gave up soda. <laughs> and so, he, so he's like, hey, we're going to have to go out, you know, I'm going to have to have my Pepsi, you're going to have to have your due. And, uh, and, uh, but we're getting to the near the end of that fast, right, where we get to say, okay, maybe I can pick up that cloak again. <laughs> maybe, I can, maybe I can move forward where I can pick up what, what's been laid down. But in our walk of faith, there, there have been moments, of course, and there will be moments when the returns aren't always guaranteed, when the sacrifice has to be longer lasting, where the call to faithfulness is a little more pressing or a little more nerve-wracking or a little more, oh, I, I'm really putting myself out there. And, but Lent, hopefully, has been a journey of remembering this and preparing ourselves for those moments of saying, hey, I give up something small and and really kind of meaningless, and really just kind of like self-indulgent perhaps, or, some, or maybe depending on what someone's done, something really, truly difficult to give up as a way of preparing for whatever faithfulness God might call upon in our life. And so this is what they do. They lay down their cloaks 
in preparation for what God is going to do through Jesus Christ as He comes into Jerusalem. And so they start crying out, blessed is the King. Blessed is the King. They are calling Him first in His life. They are calling Him the Lord. They are saying, hey, You are the one. They are turning all their eyes on Him and they are believing that He has finally come. He's going to be able to change everything. He's going to be able to install God's kingdom. He's going to be able to deliver them from the Romans. He is. He's going to be everything they had hoped. Blessed is the King. They honor Him. They praise Him. Uh, In the other books, uh, in the other, like in Matthew, that's where we get the word Hosanna. They are crying out, Hosanna in the highest. They are recognizing that the one in the parable has finally come and he has come as king and they are ready to anoint Jesus as this. And of course, the Pharisees have an issue with this. They've had an issue with Jesus before. One too many times he's corrected them. He's embarrassed them. But he's asking him to stop. No, you can't go You can't come with disciples crying out that you're king. You've gathered a whole large crowd. I mean, the story leading up to that parable even is he's done miracles, and now they're following him. Tax collector Zacchaeus is coming and saying, hey, I'm sorry I've wronged people. They're following him. He tells all of them this parable, and now he's coming in, now he's riding in on this colt, and, and the Pharisees are worried. A crowd welcoming someone in, calling out that he's king. They're worried about Caesar. They're worried about rebellion. You can't call someone else king when there's a foreign power saying, I'm your king, and has the military might to enforce it. You want to know what happens if you do that? Well, we don't have to look very far. We don't have to look further than Ukraine to see what happens when civilians say, to an invading force. You're not my king, someone else is. We see what happens when things like that happen. So the Pharisees say, watch out. You can't do this. We have to just kind of let the one who has the power have the power. But Jesus says that if they don't, the stones are crying out. The rocks are going to worship. The All of creation is going to testify to who He is. And this is a reference to Jesus being Lord over all the earth. This is a way for Him to say, hey, this is our calling to recognize what God wants to do in our life and recognize who Jesus is. But Jesus, as the Son of God, is Lord over the entire earth. The heavens cry out. The rocks will cry out. All the earth will testify about who He is before the Lord, for He is the Creator. This is His way of saying, not only must we give voice, but all of creation is under Jesus Christ. He is Lord over it all. And all of that gets confirmed in the resurrection that we will be celebrating next week. Showing indeed that our God reigns and rules over whatever this world looks like. He has victory over death. He has victory over sin. And he has victory over the powers of this world. And so that we are a people who can know that as we lay down our lives before God, whatever happens, whatever he has given us, we, we return back to him saying, Lord, I've been faithful tried to be faithful with what you have given in hopes that you would work and you would multiply. 
And so my hope is that as we go into this week, as, as we get ready to pray for how the Holy Spirit is going to continue to, to work in our lives and in our communities, that we would be saying, Lord, wherever you put me, whatever you have given me, I, I give over to you in service, in obedience, in trust, because you are Lord, you are King, and you can have it all. For Him to be Lord over all the earth, that even the stones would cry out means in our life as well, that we would be able to say that when it comes down to it, all of our allegiance, all of, every, all of our um, faith rests and resides in this one, Jesus Christ, who came and is the Son of God, who showed us what it was to live, to love, to... Uh, to reflect indeed God's hope for His people. And so we follow Him and trust in obedience that our God will continue to be with us, that our God will show us not only that uh, we can live as Jesus lived, but His Spirit will be with us to help and guide along the way. Our call is just to lay before Him whatever it is that God has given and the work that uh, He has done that uh, he would be Lord in our life. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. More sermons are available online at our website, capenazarene.org. Our website also includes instructions for subscribing to our podcast so you can have a message delivered to you weekly. May God bless you as you serve him this week.